Waitman over his head. Cody Waitman's kicked a miracle goal. Looking for Vandermeer. He can go all the way. Straight man to hit the front. For 10 goals, they call him Bruce. Bruce. Can score towards goal. Bailey Smith as he got the dots in on the final. Bontempelli to seal the game. He's got it. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that, with a little bit of luck, will allow you to listen to the entire episode this week, which would be a nice change. My name is Matthew Donald, your regular host of the Salty Bulldog. I've got my associate with me, the one and only Nick Galea. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you along. Hello, Matthew. Hello, everyone. That's uh, I like that introduction right there. Yes, it'd be nice to have an episode go through uh, for the whole you know, 60 to 70 minutes that we do this for. And it's a, it is quite long, but it's, we can say we enjoy it very much and we hope it's full of very good content. Um, what wasn't full of very good content was unfortunately uh, the most recent match day, wasn't it? There's a lot to unpack from that performance at, at the weekend. Um, just want to just want to extend the, the apologies for, for whatever happened last weekend um, with the episode. I'm not quite sure. All I know is that when we went to check, when we went the back in and check the wires, um, It'd been cut and all with there were a pair of pliers with the initials LB engraved on them. So make of that what you will. Not quite sure uh, who's responsible for, for what took place, but we were able to make phone calls and we fix it. We thank everyone for uh, for their patience I'm with that one. I'm wondering whether we'll stick with, uh, we'll give a hint. Luke B. Now that's too obvious. Al Beveridge. We'll go there. Oh, yeah. That's no, okay. We'll stick with. <laughs> okay. No, he's all right. No, good on him. God, God bless him, bloody hell. All right, let's continue with the, yeah. this ball rolling. Let's do so. Salty Blog Podcast, of course, you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, the Footy Live at Vice Sportsmate. It's all there for you. Our social media channels as well: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website: www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Some big news today on the Monday. Yeah, some good, some good news. Yes, some, some good news. Not like a, for once, it's not like you know. Um, unveiled literally after the episode is finished recording. You know? so, so this is very, very This is nice. So the follow account for the Salty World Twitter page and the early hours of the Monday ticked over to four figures, Nick. We actually had a thousand. Indeed we did. We got to raise the, we don't get to, we get to raise the bat for the hundred. What do we do for the thousand? Pop champagne or something? Maybe. We'll have what to figure that out. We will have to figure that out. But some, yes, we will. some court jester leapt with it and thought that it would be really funny to unfollow the page so we're back to 999 again but we we of course we did screenshot the moment we got to a thousand so it's fair income but uh yeah whoever thought they would just uh, hit the unfollow button just to bring us back down under the thousand threshold yeah very funny uh no one no one in the salty bullock offices is impressed by uh by these antics so if you could just hit no, that our button office, again. Where is our office? Uh, where is our office situated at the uh, moment? One, two, three, Fake Street. Uh, we'll just, uh, yes, we'll just yes. leave it at that. We will, narrow it, we will narrow it down to someplace far away, I reckon. <laughs> That'll do. That's what I'm thinking. All right. So let's so let, let's get in and start the episode as we do every other week, the raw numbers. But before I before I before we actually get into the game, we'll do this first, but there's something else we've got to clear up, Fitzy. So we said the, the game against Fremantle, 14-10-94, the Dockers, the Bulldogs, 11-12-78. Puts us at a record of, uh, help me out here, Nick, 10-10 and 10 for the year. We are we are 10-10, and 10, and we are now 2-4 and four in our last six encounters. We did all the hard work to overhaul the absolute putrid form we showed in the first half of the season. We were 3-5. and five. We got it back to... 
not saying this is respectable, but you know, bearable, eight and six. And we've thrown it away yep. over the last six weeks. So uh, Cody Waitman and Aaron Norton each kick three goals. Aaron Norton now equals his tally of last year's 47 goals. Um, Bailey Smith, Vandermeer, Bruce with his first goal back since returning from injury. Dunkley and English, all individual goal kickers. Uh, Dunkley was probably best on ground for the Bulldogs. Uh, in addition to that goal, he picked up 33 disposals. Uh, Bailey Doing Smith, his chances, no harm. Bailey Smith, we'll talk about Bailey Smith a little later on. 30 disposals. McRae, 29. Liberatore, 28. Trelaw, 24. Richards, 23. Bontempelli and Dale with 21. And Daniel with 20 disposals. So that's, right. that, that's that. Now, Nick, before yes, we get into before we get into numbers. anything else, uh, no, no, before we get into all of that, I want to talk about the most disappointing aspect of the weekend, like the most uh, disappointing yes, aspect a, of the weekend. Uh, what do we call this segment? This is a oh, maybe not a new segment per se, but it's something that we might have featuring every now and then. You know, we'll call it the Hannon Cannon, I reckon, for the no, time we'll, being until we think of a better name. We'll we'll, we'll need, we need to, a better name than this. Yeah. Is. So th- this is this is. What are we More disappointing. Dare I say it? Dare I say it for Coops? What's he called it? Blocked or bang? something? I don't know. We'll figure out something yet. The block button. Bang! That's it. Coops goes bang. We're going to need something like that. Nah, because it because it this isn't this isn't lighthearted. This is actually pretty. No, serious. no, this is a yes. This is pretty piss poor. Actually, it was not a enjoyable drive home listening to the news that you brought up. So yeah. take it away, Matthew. So we spoke. For, for those who are actually able to listen to the, the whole episode um, last week, towards the end of it, we spoke about. The passing of Herb Henderson last week on the on the episode. Now, Herb, for for those who aren't as ingratiated with the Bulldogs' history as uh, as we are, was a champion fullback of the fifties. Was part of the nineteen fifty four premiership side. He played one hundred and thirty games for the club. His his CV rivals that of any Bulldog you can think of. Uh, he is what he is one of only a handful of players to have played in a premiership with the Bulldogs. He was part of the team of the century, and he's also part of the club's Hall of Fame. You pick any bulldog you want, and and Herb's resume stacks up and holds its own against anyone else in, at the club. And he passed away last week, which was desperately unfortunate. Now, one thing that was pointed out to me after the match on Saturday was that despite Herb's passing, one of the great players in the club's history, the Bulldogs did not wear a black armband to recognize his passing. And I didn't notice this at the, the time, but this this was brought to my attention after the game. And I don't often use the word disgusting, Nick, but that's that that was how I felt about it. And I, I'm pretty sure I used that word when I was talking to 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 you and, and Brad afterwards as well. That I, yes, I was dis- that is that is correct. That I was disgusted by the fact that in a week where they've spent where they've gone to such effort to acknowledge their past in terms of both retro round and, and the lineage of the, of the Darcy timeline, the Darcy family line that they didn't get out the black tape for one of the great players. And for one, one of its few premiership stars. Um, we're not, we're not just talking about any player. We're talking about someone who's made a significant contribution to the history and to the success of the club. And they did not recognize his passing with a black armband. And rather than, and there were a few, there were many people who were, who, um, who agreed with me in terms of how bad that looked. So rather than just completely, um, or just, just rather than just express complete outrage over this, I contacted the club about it and I raised this with them. And I basically, and I, you know, uh, I just basically put it to them, look, Herbert has passed away last week, club legend. I just want to know why you weren't wearing black armbands for him on Saturday. And 
the lady was was very you know um, understanding and polite about it. Um, explained to me that what the Bulldogs do in the last home match of the season is that they wear a black armband to respect all members, past players, and those associated with the club who passed away during the year. So this will so this black armband that they will wear against the Giants this week will recognise everyone who's passed away. She also said something to me very interesting, and she used this exact phrase twice in the, in the phone call um, that I had with her. She said that the club are also reviewing the criteria for the black armband. Now, make of that what you will, but she said those exact words to me twice. So that's the reason why there was no black armband on Saturday for Herb Henderson. Now, that may well be consistent with their policy, but if you ask me, that policy has to change. It's I don't not exactly the most impressive things, is it? In a general I sense, I don't think that's good enough at all, Nick. Not especially when you can focus on the most recent twenty-five years, where they talk about those things with teams of the week. They've had six; they had six days to prepare. You know, it's not like to an extension. Even in general, you'd still expect certain things to occur, but it's not like an overnight incident. Because for the better yeah. part of a week to prepare for this. Yeah, I think that's fair enough as well. Like, like if the news had come through on the Friday night, just as an example, I think that that's one thing. But as as you say, this had been something that every that had been well known for for almost a week. The other thing that that I think of with the with just doing it in twenty three days, I feel like it's a it doesn't it doesn't mean as much, and it's just sort of a, a thing that they they have in place that's not directed towards anyone specific, and it's just a just a co- a cover all bases type operation. The the black armband oh, is supposed is supposed to be there from my experience. It's supposed to be there to to signify something specific. It's not a general all purpose type signal. I was well, really put, I was I was well, really put, disappointed, sorry. really disappointed about that. Especially when you can consider the, you know, in terms of the club and what it means to you. With your links there, that's something that does come proper and genuine. Um, it's it's not something that probably would have expected, to be honest. I don't think not just because of what's what's gone on there. I just think, in a normal sense, we've seen the club be better at this in the past, in in previous circumstances, and and they've you know done the and they've done the right thing. Um, it is refreshing to hear that's the idea that they're looking to review this particular criteria. That is encouraging, but I don't know why it's done in that particular manner where it shouldn't be something that you need to review to an extent. It's something that just, you know, should be done. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that was that was a surprise to me to learn that that was, that was a policy, actually. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I was really upset that there was no black armband, and I'm, I'm still upset that, that that they've got a policy in place for that. I just thought it would have been a given that if a club legend passes away, the next match, you you acknowledge, you acknowledge the the passing of that person and the contribution that they've made to the club. We're talking about a significant figure in the history of the Bulldogs. This yeah, is happy to back that. Yeah. So wanted to that was that because that to me was the biggest letdown of the weekend. That was the most disappoint. That was more disappointing than anything that they did on field. 
for me. Um, so that that that's why I wanted to to raise that first to acknowledge to acknowledge that, um, and 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 address that because that was yeah I yeah I think you know my thoughts on it by now, but I think that was the most important thing we needed to address before we move on to the match, which um, wasn't as wasn't as disappointing uh, in comparison, but certainly was a, a was a major disappointment in terms of. Uh, the manner of the defeat and where it leaves us with two games to go. So a 17-point uh, defeat. Uh, was it 17 or, or 16? Okay, 17. 17. Uh, the worst part about the, the match, respectively, so we're just speaking purely on the game, we never look like it at all. We never look like actually picking up the four points. It's not that we were outclassed, and not to an extent where we outplayed in, in that manner. Um, you know, we could we could say we were out coached, you know, in that in that department there, but it just seemed like it's it wasn't like that Fremantle up their ante. You know, they didn't go up an extra gear or two to do better than us. They just pretty much did much of what they did throughout the entire game, and we just seemed to to drift in and out of the actual contest. I reckon, you know, it's like as if we didn't match their standards. I'm not saying that they were playing above themselves, but. We were, unfortunately, as has been the case this year, well below par for what we would naturally expect. So just some numbers I've got here, Nick, that I wanted to uh, to share with you. I don't know what, make of them what you will. Plus 29 contested possessions in favour of the Bulldogs, which is a significant intri- differential. Yeah, That's huge. Usually, usually that should signify a, I don't know, at least a six-goal six win, possibly more. 36 to 29 clearances in favor of the Bulldogs. Yep. 20. Yeah, here's an issue with that, though. Where did you say 36 to 29? The issue yep. in that department, though, uh, only a, a three quarters of them were deemed effective. We're still going to learn how, how things are deemed effective properly, and whether it's to the advantage of your teammates, whether it's just simply going forward. So those numbers were then at 27 to 25 in our favor. 55 inside 50s there to 50 in favor of, of the Bulldogs. So we had more inside 50s, more clearances, more contested possessions. But here, here's a number, and I, I don't know what to, to to make of this. You might be able to help me out here. Uncontested marks, 129 oh, to 80 in favor of Fremantle. So that's a plus 49 differential. So that says to me that we were able to win the ball, but Fremantle were able to control it. Yep, and that's how you – it's different things. There's certain sides that can get away with – maintaining possession in that fashion we can do you know by handball and it's like not comparing Fremantle to that Hawthorne team but Hawthorne again you know they love to chip it around they like to retain possession in that fashion and they back their foot skills Saturday afternoon's display wasn't you know something that you would state required a high execution of skills to manufacture those passes that Fremantle did it's from a lack of pressure across the ground the lack of positioning on the field to prevent certain kicks being taken and as usual playing, you know, several meters behind your man. That was done with absolute ease how they were able to slice through us. And it's not because it was done from the brilliance of, you know, distribution by foot. I'll keep giving you some other numbers. You had some shockers there and I've got some more. A beautiful. Forward half kicking efficient. 55% to 69. That is putrid. Defensive half kicking. 73 to 85. It says that even when we had the ball in our forward half, or when we sorry, when we were defending in our forward half, Fremantle just wove, or were able to weave right through that. 
We can go also, which is a bit of a concern here, first possession. First possession I'm talking about from a centre bounce, okay? Who's able to get it from or, or across the ground, sorry, from a stoppage, okay? Around the ground. And we were plus 18 in that. So that's 18 more opportunities for us to be able to at least create something. 44 to 26, and yet it uh, barely amounted to anything. It amounted to a total of, let me see what I could find here. It amounted to a total of four goals, nine, uh, one, one four from the centre, two, three from throw-ins, and one, two from ball-ups. You're not going to get much from ball-ups, to be fair, from throw-ins, but you should at least be trying to get at least a minimum three, about three goals from centre bounces there. Okay. Which was pretty, pretty disappointing on our end. What else can we say uh, about us in this fashion here? The third quarter pressure rating, we like the pressure ratings here. Deemed poor, not even poor actually, very poor. It was probably, I think, one of our worst ever rated quarters over the last six or seven years. When we needed to get back into the game, our season on the line, our heart, you know, effectively that's it. The third term was there for the match to, to be won. And a rating of 148 is pretty much embarrassing. We continue with a couple more, and I'm not going to push it anymore because we, we all know what happened, unfortunately. Uh, this one, I don't know how on earth this happened, happened to occur, but uh, Fremantle, we did all right in terms of defending whether the shots were taken, or at least pushing them to spots where we don't want them to take. And yet they were still able to kick 10 goals, three from greater than 40 metres, or greater than 41 metres, five of those from outside 50. Now, that's not a defensive error, okay? And that's not a midfield error. That's just, unfortunately, you just got to... Sometimes just gotta it cop happens. That. You just got to cop that. The annoying thing is we tend to cop that particular statistic a lot of weeks, okay? But usually it's from, you know, 20 to 30, not from 50 plus. So, yeah, there we just got to just say, well played. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not overly fussed by the fact that they were able to kick goals from 50 meters out from, from all sorts of angles. Like sometimes those things happen and that's where you want your op opposition to be taking shots from really. Uh, what concerns, it depends, it depends where they're positioned to. If they're more directly in front in comparison, because we kept talking about it on the Saturday. Why do we keep going to the pocket? Well, doesn't that, matter if that, it's 15 yeah. meters out. doesn't matter if it's 15, 20 meters out. The chances of a goal occurring is far lower than a shot 45 meters out, relatively dead in front or on the 45 reduce the angle as much as possible. It doesn't matter if it's an extra 10 metres on the kick. Players should be able to kick 40 metres or more. Anyhow. This, this, I've, used the, um, I've used the comparison between the Bulldogs this year and the Bulldogs under McCartney a few times throughout the, throughout the campaign. And it feels it's like that again. You're talking about. I don't think I am talking about a particular year when I say that. But, in, in, but what, I, what I say when I mean that is we do all the hard work in winning the ball Plus twenty nine can contested mm. possessions, but the difference um, is the goals don't don't take care of themselves. But we 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 then give the ball back to the opposition. I mean, and that that's evident. And if they, if we're winning the contested possession by thirty or twenty nine, and they've had plus forty nine uncontested marks, that would that would lend to suggest that we're just winning. We're doing the hard work for them. We're winning the ball for them. Fremantle had seventy eight marks in the first half. Their season average is 95, oh, 94. Yeah. Yeah. That is putrid. Genuinely, yeah. genuinely embarrassing that. 
The other thing that concerns me is that with the season on the line in a must-win game, our pressure rating was one of our lowest ever in the third term. That is that is very concerning. What did you say in the third term? It, what, what was it for the other quarters? 48. Uh, give me a second. Where are we? For the respective other terms. Okay. On par, both sides were below average in the first. 174 to 173. We go to 171 below average. The Fremantle 209 elite. Uh, a difference of 29 in the third. We were deemed very poor. They were just deemed below average. And then it was back to average uh, in the fourth for either side, you know, near enough 180. So our pressure. So not really do too much. Our best, our best effort. Inverted was deemed was deemed average. average in the fourth quarter. Fremantle, to be fair, there was below average, elite, below average, and average. Their season's not on the line, Nick. No, no, no exactly right. I tend, I agree with that very much. And we had three quarters or two of those deemed below. Yeah, that that's a it doesn't that's take a it doesn't take, it doesn't take much to it doesn't take much to creep from below average to average. I tell you that. So so for for everything we we've, we've spoken this year about. The, the plan, I suppose, and, and the and the decisions made by the, the men in the box. But that that that's an effort thing. And that's that's on the players. Yes, would that's you agree? not a structural thing. That's not on a structural thing. Because people would mention too about well we, we lost the game because of turnovers. That was definitely not the case on the weekend because both sides kicked the equivalent of 40 odd points from turnovers. The game was lost in the fact that one they were actually very good at taking their chances from not tricky shots, but, you know, far more... You low know, percentage. F- yeah, low percent, not low percentage per se. You, know, you can still kick it. It's still going to be 80, 75% or so from dead in front. They just were forced to overkick the shots. So that's one thing. So they did very well in that department. Two, yes, the pressure ratings and all those types of numbers there. Three actually giving control of the ball to the opposition the way that they did. Because you can see there's been other sides that can take marks at will. They play, you know, position-based football and chip it around, but they don't do anything with it. You mentioned how many marks? 129 or something? 129 uncontested marks, yep. Okay, how many marks all up, please, Matt? Oh, you're, making me, you're making me work overtime now. That's all right, let's just go. 140 marks all up, so 129 okay. uncontested and 11 okay. contested. Okay, so let's say 11 contested of 100. Okay, 40. So here's the query. Can you tell me also how many we took, just for the sake of it, because I'm, starting, uh, I'm making my up. point here. Yes, please. 90. Okay, so for us, we had 29 in the defensive 50, so roughly, you know, another third elsewhere and another third elsewhere. For Fremantle, they only had 40 in their back half. So even when we were pressing high up on the ground, we still weren't able to lock the ball in, not only at ground level, but you know, in the air. So if a team is taking 100 or more marks outside of their defensive 50, you know, who knows? It could have been at least another. They had 18 of those other 100. So that's one in five, roughly, in their forward line. Now, imagine how many of those kicks, imagine how many of those marks also were taken in the front half of the ground, not just through the actual corridor. Okay? It's going to be closer to at least 60 or 70. Yeah, that's way too much easy ball going inside 50 whether it's been taken as a mark or not and that's Uh, why you get options like Lobb having low possession or Michael Frederick of low possession 
but they're able to have high caliber touches, high quality touches, and make the most of it because of that particular silver service going through. So Lob, Frederick, had, and Tabernard, four goals. They had uh, what? they combined for nine goals, three from twenty kicks. Those three. Uh, so it's twelve uh, scoring many, shots from twenty kicks between three there are players. Many things we would like to say. There are many things we would like to say. Mm. Well, it's, note, it's hard. It's hard Just to. It, mm. It's hard to know very, where to very, start very with positive. with that though. Oh, you've got a positive. Oh, good. It's not a positive for the game, unfortunately. I've just seen oh. it. Uh, not that we promote gambling, but uh, sportsbet.com.au. We've got, on this day, Happy Gilmore defeated Shooter McGavin with a birdie on the 18th hole to win oh. the Tour Championship. Oh, I have to put that out there. It is that, an exceptional thing. That that makes me feel better. Um, it does. It makes me feel better. Was it, did it feel like to you, I mean, I was I zoned out a bit of it <laughs> of the game in the second half, but it just felt like we weren't getting anything going. Did it feel like that they were getting goal side way too often? Yes I mean, and no. I'm not going to say that, that that it was the case. There were probably options of it, but it wasn't from, you know, teams. Or maybe in that fourth quarter was more where they were able to get more goals side, where they were, sorry, third quarter where they were able to get, get in behind the defence. Fourth term was probably more playing out in front, I reckon. But, and it's just weird. A lot of those entries just kept coming from... Just a just a kick outside fifty, and they still popped it up. You know, if you're able to find space, that probably means that our players are defending too far back anyhow. So we're trying to protect the supposed dangerous area. But if that's the case, then then other teams aren't going to kick the ball 10, 15 meters in front of goal because that means that we're able to you know to kill it off like that with ease. So I wonder wonder why we weren't able to adapt as quick as we would like, and realizing that such teams or like Freo in this case. We're playing a completely different brand of football with their entries going forward. You want, you know why we weren't able to adapt. We've said this countless times, Nick. Yep. There's a lack we, of a plan B. It appears that way. I'm sure that yeah. look, it doesn't stop. No well, it, well there's either no there's either no plan B or C or D. There's either no plan B or there's no there's no way or, or meaning to implement it. Mm. Because I, I didn't see, I didn't possibly, see them really change no. anything throughout the the game. No, neither did I. Neither did I. Not not in in that sense. Okay, but I just wonder how different Plan B and Plan C and Plan D. Because no, no club's just going to go with one plan. Okay, as no. much as we can even bring it up too. Okay, there's always contingencies. It just doesn't appear to be the case with us. So I wonder how different is Plan B and C and D from a and from from the like of each other. What does it involve? Not that we're going to know yeah. this, okay? And, yeah, and but there's this... very interesting to see because you can see clear-cut differences with other clubs. You can work out there is, there is a definite shift yeah. in how they're playing. For us, it's it seems like it's ingrained into our, you know, into our routine that this is what we do. This is our DNA. And it doesn't mean we don't drift from it, but everything is extrapolated from that. We don't deviate from it at all, which is a concern considering we're meant to be a side that's pretty flexible with a lot of things when we don't allow flexibility in areas that are required. And I, I, I wonder as well, like how many, I wonder how many positives we can take away for, because this year is just about shot. Now we need to rely on other results to go our way and we have to win both of our last games just to make finals and how likely that is to happen. I mean, it is up for debate at this point. I, I um, 
I mean, I was, this is a dangerous thing to do at the best of times. Um, going through going through uh, social media and and seeing what other Bulldogs fans had to had to say about it, and there were a lot that are uh, really frustrated with how things are going. And then there are a couple of people who are, who are staying the course, are remaining positive, and are, and are suggesting things such as the fact that we've you know we've had a lot of injuries, but we that, don't. That that was our, that was our strongest team for the year. The th- we've got three blokes yeah, on, exactly the, right. on, exactly on the injury right. list. Three guys on the injury list. Uh, Charlie Parker, who's definitely not in the best 22. Wallace, who's probably not in the best 22. And Scott, who you could argue might fit in sort of that 18 to 25th picked player. But, you know, that would be a best case scenario anyway. That was the strongest team that we put out all year. And we were terrible. Yep. Injuries have nothing. injuries, Injuries have nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. This this is what this is what we've been saying for a while. This this in terms of something has to change and it's mm. got to be drastic. Because if we continue, and, and I've if we can, to you too, not a personnel based side, mate. We don't play that. Our style of play doesn't differ from having certain players absent or not. No, no, and that that's true. But look, you still you still need your your star players playing, and of course, the suggestions that some of them are, are slightly underdone. The the one that the one that stands out for me, and he kicked three goals at the weekend, and I mentioned this to you, and and, and like I said, it's no, I know it's it's sort of hard to justify that he's kicked three goals because that's a good return, but as the yeah, last couple of weeks, about. as the last couple of weeks have progressed, Aaron Norton is looking increasingly like a footballer who's had to carry the forward load all on his own for the first four months of the season. He looks he looks shot. He looks completely out of puff, and he's doing such a great job to to continue to to push on and, and kick goals. And as he's up to forty seven for the year now. That's about the only number that's going to improve on on last year, and that's not his fault. But the fact that for so long he's been forced to compete solo as the key forward and not have any sort of support up until probably the Giants match. I'd say, which was only a month ago. Well, that that's how, how do I how yeah. do I describe this? Like, I mean, we've I mean, the, the th- when you you for your very best players, the idea is instead of instead of us making the most of their of their abilities of their their standout elite craft and talent and maximizing it by giving them the support that they need. Instead, we're taking advantage of that and exhausting that ability to its absolute limits. And instead of bringing in support to help Norton, we're just turning to him saying, Aaron, we need you to do more. And it's the same with it's the same with Bond and Pelly. And it's the same, I'd probably argue it's the same with Alex Keith as well. Three really important players in our team. And instead of helping them, we're just exhausting. The, we're just exhausting their talents. I mean, the, I mean, doesn't matter where you. Where, and this, this is not a this is not a suggestion of putting Norton in the back line or, or Norton in the forward line or anything like that. This is just me observing the fact that he's had to play out forward all on his own for four months with no real help and no intention to provide any support in terms of height. It's just Aaron. We just we just need you to do more. It's like getting a cruise ship, and it being able to do pretty much anything you want a cruise ship to do. But in, instead of using that to give you, your passengers 
a great experience, you're crowding it to such capacity that it's resembling a life raft. Yep. Can't fault that. Cannot fault that right there. It's it's interesting. Again, we are a side that has players capable of filling in several holes. The issue with that is, of course, now they become experts at what they're trying to do. But it just seems that there's not much flexibility in terms of even protecting certain players. We all knew last year, at the end of the uh, you know, during the off season, we knew we were going to be a forward down in, in, in Josh Bruce, and people say, you know, just wait till he comes back. It's it's not exactly ideal waiting to try to kickstart your season at round 19. Yeah. Or round 18 and waiting for that then, especially after the knee Rico. Not just for him too. Then you wonder, well, we know that Norson is going to be on his own for the most part. Then there's the idea of, is English going to rock? We still have Shaq, we've got a developing Jamara. He was still figuring things out too. And then we had you know, Sam Darcy with stress fractures in his foot. So they've, they've failed. Where, 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 was, where was the idea of actually providing some genuine forward support? If it wasn't going to be English there, who did the role pretty well in the first half of last year, well then, where is that backup? And it doesn't mean involve throwing Bonton Pally at centre half forward. I mean, they, how can they not go into a plan with that at all? They've failed us twice, really. They're, or they they failed twice. They failed in terms of the trade and free agency period to bring in any um, any support. Yeah. Yeah. And then they failed. Yeah. And then they failed. Support. And then they failed in the two drafts that they had to bring in someone who could help to fill in the gap, even just for a season. Instead of bringing in another tall player, they just went in and brought in more midfielders. And it's really hand tight. It's 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 um, handcuffed us, I suppose. Yep. It's as, and I brought it up to you before. We'll have a pure dedicated list management episode. Um, you know, after the after the finals, whether it's for us or whether it's for other clubs, but um, we've known this for a long time, and people can see it. We've just we've just wondered what on earth has actually been done with it. We keep seeing the misallocation of resources, you know, list spots aren't there to be wasted, they're there to be put to better use. And that doesn't mean having, you know, six million halfbacks or 45 midfielders to cover three spots, okay? It's about using the resources that you have and treating them with the respect that they properly deserve. Yep. That's something that we need to rectify legitimately. No, I agree. Now, one of, now one thing I, because um, we've got to, we want to talk a little bit about the game, but there's one thing, while we're sort of on the topic of, of resources and, and making changes in the off season. Um, we've often spoken about that something's got to change, Nick, and you may have something that, uh, that is a sign of that. Yes, yes. It's been, you know, vaguely brought out in uh, the last, uh, probably the better part of the last month in small nibbles. And I've not only seen it on my end, I've probably seen it at least in anywhere between, you know, four and five other, maybe probably more, four and five other places that uh, share the similar sentiment. And it looks like we possibly and very, very, very likely uh, will be welcoming a, you know, a favourite son of ours, won't we? Well, there's a, there's a few of those. Um, We've got a lot of favourite sons, but yeah. uh, one that it's been a long time since he's called the kennel uh, his home. Uh, when did when did he depart? Was it the 2010 or 2011? See, it, well, you, you might you might have to this give is, him a name. This here, is Nick. Leon. This is Leon Cameron. We all speak a bit about him. Um, you know. This is what we can do with him. He's been. When did he leave us? The end of '99. So yeah, as a, as a player, as a yeah, as a player, end of '99. It's been three seasons at Richmond, 
and then he spent a, a fair stint with us, of course, before spending a little bit of time under Clarko and then moving, of course, to the to the Giants for the last or the better part of the last ten years, hasn't he? The enemy. Yes, the enemy. That's uh, something that we don't uh, don't enemy. enjoy. But so you've you've got Leon too. you've got Leon Cameron coming back to the Dogs as part I've of the coaching him, staff. I've got him as pretty much as close as ninety nine percent for me, and that's in that book there. Um, I don't know whether it would be as a midfield or as a, as a senior assistant. Senior coach. Would you, where, would it, where would you put him better use in that sense too? If we were to, yeah, let's just let's just put it up here. What is your ideal coaching staff? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm not saying here's your free cap space. I'm saying what would you like to do? Who who would you enjoy seeing actually return? I'd, I'd have to put a bit of thought into that. I don't think I could give you a fair answer right now. Actually, mm. um, I'd probably need to sit down and think about it a fair bit. Well. Uh, especially if you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna be uh, if you're gonna spoil the party and make invent a cap space for us that we've got to follow. I can't assemble my dream team of coaches. Um, dream team of coaches. I wonder who's your dream team of coaches, anyways. <laughs> Again, I'd have to think about that as well. If you're giving me uh, if you're giving me free uh, range um, or free reign rather. Uh, yeah, I'd have to put a th- bit of thought into. It. Uh, look, I'm still, I'm still fine with beverages, coach, because we've said he does all the whole way. We've said he does a lot right. I mean, no one gets to two grand finals, including a premiership, uh, twice coach of the year as well, without getting things right. But I, I think the support around him needs to be consolidated. Let's say, and if Le- and if you're right, and Leon Cameron is coming to the Bulldogs, and uh, I trust you, you you've got good mail, yeah. Nick. I heard this. I've heard this. Uh... A while back, not just because now everything's starting, you know, the jungle drums are starting to beat a little bit louder. Yeah. But I've heard this a little bit back. So you, when you, I bring it up to you, you mentioned this. Yeah, ago? you mentioned this a few weeks ago, but something's something's happened in the last couple of days that you've heard of yes. that provides a bit more confidence as far as yeah. the other which which backs up probably said from the other three or four other places where you hear similar things too, which is like something's going to happen. <clears throat> We already know Lobs, and this is going to disappoint you here, but we already know Lobs pretty much just a done deal. As much as we don't want this to happen, <clears throat> it does seem the case uh, with with our midfielder in Josh Dunkley too. It does seem exceptionally, exceptionally likely, and that he will depart, which is which is a big shame because it does leave a very, very big hole in midfield. Um, the question is, though, what happens and what comes of it? I'm not going to go off with a particular other thing yet. I'm going to wait at least another week or two to see what might happen with some very positive news that uh, I think many dogs fans will appreciate. I, I agree. Um, I, I've, I've heard yes, this. Bulldog, yes. I've heard this bulldog fans. Trust me. If this is true, if Nick's, if Nick's right on this one, this is, uh, this is going to be worth the wait. It will be genuinely worth the wait, except, especially because it will be a particular key defender that actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. But we'll Spe- have to see what happens. Speaking of key defenders, let's talk about one of our own. And let, let's look over Sam Darcy's debut and, and let's pick apart what we liked uh, and, and what we do going forward. So eight marks, which was a team high, five intercept marks, which was a game high for Darcy. Uh, they're, they're, they're good numbers. They're the sorts of numbers that uh, that we like to see, Nick. There's a bit to work it's with already this already something kid. that he's been shown. It's already something that he's highlighted in his VFL career to date. That it's actually nice to have, I'll get his first game there, but the point is at least he's had a base in the VFL, which suggests this player is going to be someone that can control the football in the air. He's going to control the skies, his marking ability, and it's nice to have those types of weapons, whether it's Norton, whether it's Darcy, 
And I will say this, even though Jamara unfortunately kicked the three points, I was still very much encouraged by his game, especially with his leading patterns. Three points uh, is better than, than not, not, yep, getting, not at least getting, getting those sport. opportunities. Yep. It's 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 how he was actually making those leads too. Mm. But look, it's exciting to have those three there. Now we go back on to Darcy, of course. Yeah, I'd say for the time being, at least the next three to four years, I'd be pigeon uh, pigeonholing him at centre half back. Centre half back, okay. That's that's fine. I'd be with doing me. that straight. That's fine. With I me. do think do- it's probably going to be similar to what might happen. You've brought it up too. I think it might be similar to what might occur with Norton, where they will eventually. That it's not set in stone. At least for next year, we know Norton's going to be forward. I still think you're probably on the money that he'll make a return down back. And I think eventually, likewise, will be the case with Darcy after about another three or four years. I think he will then move to that uh, forward ruck role. But for the time being, I think he's perfect for centre half. Yep. No, I agree. I, I, I've, I've stressed this before that I what I'm keen for the Bulldogs to avoid is trying to get the the one player to play in sort of two positions at once with Darcy and sort of have him be a decent defender, a decent forward, but not a star at either end of the ground. Um, if they if they want to commit to him as a defender for, for a few years and then throw him forward, but then keep him forward, I'm all right with that uh, as he finds his feet and as he develops. He's very good as a defender as he is. So allow him to sort of grow and, and develop in the AFL while still being successful uh, down there. But don't sort of have him be like a 50-50 forward defender. Uh, no, not for someone not, yeah, not for someone of his talent. Uh, and I will just say this on, on Rory Lobb. This is just my personal opinion. As good as he was on the weekend, he, we're not going to get that if he's playing for the Bulldogs. So no, Bulldogs we're not going to get to don't, don't expect yeah, don't don't expect four goals from four kicks from 50 meters out. If he's doing that for us, I think that's uh, that's what did, what did I call it? Uh, it was sort of dominating a club and then having that club think that you're brilliant and they bring you in just based on that. I, I think I call that the Tim Tim O'Brien rule. Right, he's yep, won the, been, the best ever game rules. against us, and we've gone, oh my goodness, this guy's a star. Let's get him in. And I'm sure there were some players in the early 2000s that gave us nightmares as well. Oh, absolutely, there would have been. I and I, and I, I said to you. And I Martin, said it, Martin McGrath for Richmond. I think he kicked five out of his seven goals against us, and then he got yep. delisted at the end of this year. Something like that. 2003. I, I will it's like say, his second game. I will say, um, and I said this way back when we got it, Brian, actually. I said the Bulldogs in the past have been a club that have gone and brought in a player for the sake of bringing in a player as opposed to waiting and bringing in the right player. Now, I feel like we're seeing another case here with O'Brien. I'm uh, sorry, not with O'Brien, with, with Lobb. Think he's, I think we, we feel like we've got to bring in someone for the sake of bringing them in. I don't think he's the right fit. So that's why I'm wary of, of him. He's a, he's a decent player. Decent player, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think he's, he's the right player for what we need now. No, it's something that we probably needed two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. I still think it can work, of course, with, as I said, Darcy playing down back. Jamara's still a kid. Norton he'll probably have a better preseason next year. They should be refreshed. And then Bruce Touch will be fit. Here's so one, it can work with having those three guys there, but we'll see what happens. Here's one just, just quickly. Um, because I'm not going to throw in a, a specific player here because one's not coming to mind. But would you would you be willing to miss out on Lob? Huh? Wait a year, knowing that a better fit will come along in 12 months' time? Or would you rather get the... The the kind of does the job option now. 
does depend on who those probable options are. Or at least it gives if, if there's a greater capacity or greater options next year. But the point is, we've actually got to be a side that you know is going to be able to pick these guys up. True, that that's the other yeah, challenge. Yeah, that's a fair point, I suppose. That's the other challenge. So we're still. It's ironic, you know, we're a side that's made a grand final. We make things exceptionally impossible for ourselves to improve. Yeah. It's hard to always sell what that happens vision, when you this is what happens when you let Lipinski go for pick forty three. Yep, couldn't do I much don't about know, I don't know. It was the I, fact about letting him go yeah, for that. I, I, I don't I don't often look back with regret on letting players go, but Lipinski I do. And, and to be fair, I, I do with Young as well. I think they were two players that, that we misused horribly. Uh, particularly in the, yes. well, the general of young, pretty much his whole career, but particularly with Lipinski in, in the last sort of half of the year. Yeah. Anyway, we won't we won't dwell on that. I've dwelled on that enough with uh, with many uh, many bulldog folk over the weekend. Um, so I think I've said my piece on that. As have they. Let's move on to the VFL, and we'll go to the Western Oval because it was uh, it was fill your boots time for Footscray. Oh, didn't they uh, didn't they cash in on some uh, on some pristine conditions? At, uh, at the Western Oval, 24 goals, Nick. 24-14, 158 to 5-5-35. Now, I'm not not sure how much association you've got with, with Coburg these days, so I don't really want to rub it in, but that's a pretty no, convincing performance, oh, I, convincing. I have to say. Um, unfortunately, this year, not as much as... Oh, unfortunately, this year, it's just been uh, absolutely impossible. Last year, yes, and the year before, the season prior to that, then, yes, I had been involved at the club. Uh, this year has been a very, very difficult one to get involved in, unfortunately, just due to life commitments getting in the way as well. Seven goals, seven goals, one, uh, nine marks and 23 disposals to Josh Shackey. Uh, that's some sort of day for him. Mm. Uh, Lockie Hunter with three goals. Rourke Smith, Cormac, Martin, uh, Mission Impossible's own Ethan Hunt, McPherson and Sweet each kicked two goals. McComb and Jones got uh, one each. Sullivan picked up 32 disposals, uh, McComb 31, Hunter 30, McPherson 29, who I'm told was very good, actually, uh, the weekend. Uh-huh. Being Indeed. 29. Indeed. Martin 28, Shaki, I mentioned 23, Lewis Butler 22, Drummond 21. 123-point victory. Uh, much better performance, I think, from the from the Bulldogs' VFL side compared to their AFL team. Uh, of course, there is the Coburg, ta- Coburg tax, which you've stressed to me that um, they've struggled a bit this year. They've uh, they've only got the four wins from from sixteen matches. Their percentage has dropped to sixty seven, but they've got a couple of players out with injuries. To some, to some there are some decent footballers well. that aren't that aren't there, unfortunately, and they would and not because of the results in general, but they would genuinely actually make that side. Uh, better Sam Louse and Harry Nolan, uh, for starters, you know, definitely it's a very high caliber small forward and a very, very rock solid uh, fullback as well. I'd be definitely pushing for his case uh, as a candidate uh, for AFL clubs, uh, Harry Nolan, that is, but uh, yeah, that's for others to work out. How much do we do we factor in that it is Coburg into, into this performance? So, surely you'd think, you'd think when you've kicked seven goals that gets you a call up to the senior side. But uh, some people I've spoken to uh, aren't fully convinced that Shaki should should come in. Hmm. A bit disappointed about that, but look. It's seven goals. Who, who's, he, who's, he going, who's he going to replace first of all? Just plain and simple first of all. Well, Who would he replace? Well, Bruce has kicked one goal in four matches. Yep. That's candidate number one. 
Unfortunately, he was a bit better in the second half, but unfortunately, his first half there just wasn't much. And, and, and people and, and people have been, you know, people defend Bruce and say, "Look, it's an ACL; it takes a long time." And that's all. That's all fair enough, and that's all true. But it's one. Oh, goal. We do agree with that. We do it's, agree with it's that. One goal in four matches now. One goal, one, or one goal, two, or something like that. Like this is this is yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then the, and the one goal he did kick was on Luke Ryan, who's hardly a man mountain of a defender. No, but he's a very very fine defender too, and another Coburg footballer yep. back from six or seven years ago. I think Just I think a, the... eventually, like yeah. you, like you can't. I mean, and we and you know, fair enough that we've got to wait for Bruce to 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 sort of catch up to speed and all that, but we can't be waiting forever. No, we don't have forever. Mm. I'll say this about the, the VFL team. Uh, let's have a look. After round nine, we were two and six with the bye. And we now have a record of six and three in the most recent uh, stretch of 10 or so games, plus another bye coming up this week. So yeah. at least in that sense, the team's going to get a few players back on the paddock, whether it's from fitness or just players returning in another way. And at least it bodes well in that fashion for the club there. That they've been able to at least get their season relatively on track, and and playing with the football that we're that they're more definitely you know high capable of. This is a team that, you know, for, to an extent, they won the minor premiership last year, and they've been a side that is pretty much regularly featured in finals. So it is a disappointing thing for Footscray because they're going to need to win, uh, you know, at least uh, two of the next uh, one games that they play, which means they're ruled out, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, um, minimum. Um, so. Yeah. Is there anyone you would bring in from that side? So obviously Shaki seven goals, twenty three touches. Hunter thirty and three. Uh, McComb, who's uh, who divides opinion. I think it's fair to say thirty one and one uh, for him. Stephen Martin twenty eight disposals and two goals. Nick, I mean, we won by one hundred twenty three points. I think you get the idea that a lot of players had pretty good afternoons in the in the tricolors. Um, I wonder who didn't have a good <laughs> afternoon at the moment. Would you? Would you? Would you like? Ah, it sucks. Is there anyone uh, that you're saying, no, definitely got to bring them in this week? I still want to see Hunter get a game. I don't know what they ex- – I know sort of to an extent, but I still would rather see him in the AFL side. I'm not saying he's going to make a difference, but I still know, does he make the team better or worse? I would state he makes the team better because we would talk about the idea of midfield accountability before, where the lack of pressure on, on that end, at least he would, at least you know, he would be running up and down that wing all day, yep. making That's his fair. opposing account to be one way or uh, accountable one way or the other in a defensive manner. The only issue is we need an attacking wingman. Who was the attacking wingman? Well, ideally, it would be Adam Trelaw, but he's being played at on the half back line. Flank. God knows what reason. Um, I can understand it to an extent, but it still doesn't make any logical sense. More, more Bevo shenanigans. All right, well, let, let's move on to the. Let's move on I to the. I do want to touch one very quick thing. Yep. I'll, I'll very quick thing with this. We noticed in the 2016 side, a lot of those players, yes, they were half backs and whatnot, but they were all able to defend. You know, Morris could defend. We know Wood could defend. Matthew Boyd could defend. He was a very sound set marker. Who Biggs. in our back line of Biggs could defend? Who out of our Five small times mediums? Exactly. Who out of our small to mediums with the current crop down back can legitimately defend? There is okay. one that I've got um, that comes to mind immediately when you think of that. And I might I might bring up his name in one of these questions. Um, in fact, we might get to it now. From Laurie at Bulldog King. How many goals are we going to let Green and Hogan kick this week? 
in round 14, it was 10 over or under. Now I'll put a I'll put a I'll put a caveat on that. If Taylor Duray is playing, it's under 10. Toby Green is not kicking seven goals on Taylor Duray. If Taylor Duray is not playing, I reckon it will be over. That that's how important I think Duray is to the uh, to the side. Well, you do look a far better defensive you know, outfit when he's down there. But the problem is he's now 31. So we need to actually work out time to bring in a lockdown defender or at least develop one. We've got the likes of you know, Cleary, who has shown plenty of promise there. It's time to actually reset the back line. Yes, it's good to have attacking options. But they are defenders first and foremost. Okay, They're there to be able to withstand yeah. pressure as well. That doesn't mean you know we need the midfield to protect them all the time. It'd be nice to have a back line that is capable of defending itself. So to make that work, that means for me, Daniel, you're going higher up. And Trelaw, you're going higher up. We play a back line that includes Richards, Duray. Uh, we can keep Williams down there. He's still needs to get back in some form. But we've seen him capable. We've seen what he's done in the past, sorry. And he's been able to defend in that fashion. And that won't, that'll at least make it bearable down back in terms of the small to medium aspect. Because I think we can actually, only, only maybe twice this year have I thought we have lost the game purely because of our, this is going to sound ironic, because of our key defenders, okay? Considering we've conceded yeah. 70 goals from key forwards, give or take. I don't think we've lost many games because of them where the opposition forward has taken the match by the scruff of the neck. We got to see it, unfortunately, in round 13, where Cameron tore us a new one. And we got to see it in the round two? second Carlson. Uh, yeah, sorry, the first Carlson game. But the I can't think of, of too one. many other actual... Yeah, the first of one, exactly, that's right. I can't think of too many other examples, though, genuinely, where an opposition key forward took us by the scruff of the neck. Generally, it's actually been a lot of these medium-type forwards that we can't really match up on. That doesn't mean that these other players, like just because Lobs kick four, it's the key defender's fault. Some of those things, you're not going to be able to defend. Now, Some of that stuff. Okay? You can't defend the ball. You can't punch a ball yeah. when it's delivered five or six metres out in front of you. You can play a bit tighter. And we've got to see some of those aspects. But yeah, that's just good That's just good delivery. And you can't do much about that as a defender. Now, I'm not sure if this has occurred to you, um, but this will be the first time that Toby Green has faced the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium since that karate kick on uh, Luke Dahlhouse in 2017. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if you know this, Nick, but if you go around Footscray, the Western Suburbs, and, and ask about Toby Green, he's not very popular. Wait, did he play? <laughs> did he not play in the 2020 encounter? No, he was laid out that game. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yes. So this so this has been a reunion that's about six years in the making. And pretty much all yeah, the past. Where's Dalhouse, I wonder, though? Just need to bring back the old gang. What Surely yeah. Stringer returns, I reckon, Yeah, yeah, yeah this contest. That, that's exactly what we need, yes. Um, so, uh, String goes bang. One from Mitch Wind. Does Bailey Smith's disposal hold him back from being an A-grade player? I, 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 yes. It, it, yes, it yes. does. Like, it I, infinitely uh, does. And I we are filthy half or majority of the time with well, at least I am anyways, with his distribution of the ball. I don't think it's possible to agree enough with the question. We've spoken about this uh, this a lot. Now, let's let's not allow his deficiencies to dilute his status in the game. Bailey Smith is a star. Like, he is one of the best players at the club. He is one of the best young talents in the league. 
like up until his suspension and then his other suspension, we were talking, I mean, he was being bandied around in all Australian discussions by about round 10, 11. Like that's how good he was. But he and will never top ten in the Brownlow as well. Yeah, he will never realize his full potential as a player until this kicking issue is sorted. Mm. And I think the only, and I think, I think all it needs to do because uh, he is, he is a, he's a bull of a china shop type player. He is just run and gun, and just everything is at a hundred percent. And now I'm no, I'm. You're not going to hear me being thrown around in all Australian conversations any day soon, but. I've played enough football to know that trying to kick the football while running at full pace is a really, really hard skill to do. Like it, even for the it, even it for is. the very we've seen JJ has been able to do that in the past. Yeah, usually a very, very neat kick too. We've seen Bond do it, obviously. Not many can do it, and he is fast enough and explosive enough to drag that back to 90 percent um, capacity in terms of his running. And kick the football and still be good enough to get away from from players. I think he just needs if he can just sort of shave off. Not telling him to run slower, but slow down as he goes to kick up, just so he's got a little bit more time to compose himself and just generally has a bit more composure. And it will, and I reckon it will make it easier for him to hit targets by foot, because that's one thing Smith does every time he gets the ball and Mitch sort of brings up every time he gets the ball, he just runs and goes and just just kicks it as hard as he can. Every time he gets it, you know, he's always going to try and roost it as far as possible with no regard for hitting a target. That's what Mitch says. And he's right. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, he really, like, is right. Aside from that, how many blemishes are there against Smith's game? There really aren't any. I, look, I can probably think of another one, which would arguably be the defensive elements, where I would okay. like him to see be a bit more accountable at the centre square. That's why, if he is to be played, it's on the wing. If he is to be played, and he's your aggressive wingman. Yes. We just need the defensive wingman. Hello, Lockie Hunter. What has happened to you, seriously? And he signed a... Oh. It's come through that he signed a new two-year deal, uh, Bailey Smith. Indeed, um, which is, which is know, fantastic to at the, at the end of 2024, so that's good yes. news. And just to point it out, he is not a free agent now, okay? It will be six years into his contract, which means he will be... Need it, it will need to be traded if he is to if he is to depart the club. Okay, at the, at the end of twenty twenty four. Yes, it will All only right. be what nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, six years. Uh, well, okay, we'll, so just we'll put a marker here now, and then uh, we can revisit that in twenty twenty four when that inevitably comes up, along with Norton and English. What a year that will be! One... Oh, wonderful! This is all <laughs> about that. That's just spectacular. Great stuff. Uh, we need to give Sam Power an extension to you know beyond twenty twenty four as well. Yep, that's going to be a really nervous season for Bulldogs fans. Uh, one from our, our favorite, our, our doctor, um, Jason Seuss at Movement Thirty Three. Our defensive structure what, is uh, obviously what could he a complete he, mess. Uh, what could he prescribe for me after watching Saturday Italian <laughs> for this season? Well, here we go. Maybe he's got a maybe he's maybe he's got a solution here. Now, defensive structure is obviously a complete mess. Can we go back to basics and play man-on-man instead of this zone, or is it too late to make the change? Second part of the question, is it stubbornness to not make a change, or is it too difficult this late in the season? The idea of going one-on-one, I get, because the zone was well, has not been working. The only problem with that is that we're not actually great defensively one on one either. So you know, across you... the ground, not just down back, but across the ground. But yes, especially defensively. Yeah. Too. So is it uh, is it is it death by a gun or a sword? Is really the is the question that you're asking. Mm. 
Would you rather drown or be set on fire? Yeah, that's maybe that maybe option. that's a yeah, better I'm, maybe that's a better one. Yes, I, I know what I'd prefer because at least if it's a, I'm not going to. What are we talking about? All these death ideas. Jeez, this isn't. Okay, it's, um, it's grown very morbid, this happen, isn't it? It has. It's got exceptionally dark and twisted. It's like our season, pretty much. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, what can I? What can I say for for those things to be put into practice? Which is, it's way too late now to do so. What needs to happen? It has to evolve. And we either rehash this game plan and bring it back to its very, very, very best, which I doubt is capable of happening because we've seen that this game style is not sustainable even at its best which was last year, and it was only able to hold up for about 15 out of 25 weeks, 26 weeks. Okay, We're only able to play this particular brand of football for two-thirds of the year. Okay, It is not sustainable. I still have no idea how the group sustained it in 2016 for the better part of 90% of the year. And this I have go- no idea how it happens. And this goes back exactly to what I was saying earlier about Norton and, and Co., I think part of the reason is that we're taking our star players and we're stretching their capabilities to such an extent that it is not sustainable. I think what and it is, this isn't a, this isn't a case of putting in a game plan that doesn't require the players to play at a hundred percent because you still want them to go at a hundred percent. But I think what we need to do is we need to adjust the game plan so that it's more sustainable. Norton playing on his own in the forward line is not sustainable. Like just 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 as an example, there's not one person who who can disagree with that. That Norton as the only key forward in the forward line is a sustainable setup in terms of the way that we play. We exhaust him to the point where he's he looks like he needs a rest. And I mean, where where this is where we need him to be playing his best football because he's one of our most important players and he looks absolutely stuffed. So I think one one of the keys will be setting up a plan that doesn't require players to exhaust their talents to such an extent for such a long portion of the season. Which might allow, and with the inclusion of some structural changes, it might allow the team to be more confident in its ability to defend one-on-one, which takes, which means that this idea of team defense becomes hopefully obsolete. Yeah. It doesn't mean you know you lose trust in your teammates and it doesn't mean you don't come across your man, but at least it means you don't need to have, for some reason, three blokes trying to kill the ball you know, over the line, yeah. which leaves no one at ground level to keep an eye on them. Whereas it's, it's the same thing when we go up four. We've got three blokes or four guys leaping for the same ball, and even half of those half of those fellas are our small forwards. They're meant to be down at ground level waiting for that crumb because the amount of times Fremantle were able to rebound at ease because of that, because no one was picking those guys up because everyone was either getting sucked into where the ball was flying or the drop zone. And once it got out, well, no one was covering those release options. That's the small forwards responsibility. And likewise, the other end is the, the tools. And it doesn't, and it doesn't rely on Norton having to crash every single mm, pack. It's actually got someone that's going to help him out. mm, This does go back to the idea of flexibility and the idea of plan B, C and D. How different is it going to be from plan A? What is going to happen? Does that mean we you know, get a new plan A entirely? Or is there going to be a few more changes to these other, you know, these other styles of play that we are capable of executing? But you know, we'll, we'll have to see because it means it's pretty much going to have to change entirely our DNA if we're going to do this. I think it's necessary personally. And I've been thinking about it for like three or four years now. That something's got to change in the game plan sense because 
you can't keep relying on being at your peak for things to just go well for you. Because that means if, it, if, if you're not at your peak, that's not a very effective game plan at all. If you're not at your best. And that, that's something that you've mentioned a, a few times to, to me is, oh, on this episode as well. Another one that sort of relates to the defense from Jezdog78. Uh, I'd argue we have more talent on our list than Collingwood, especially in the midfield. And that's why we belted them. This is referring back to that, that round nine win. Yet they're second on the ladder. Is Bevo defensively minded enough to compare to Craig McRae or are the players just not wanting to defend? I reckon it's. I reckon the difference between us and Collingwood is is in the intangibles rather than the tangibles. Indeed, it is. I think Collingwood play with a far greater level of spirit and belief than, than we do, and I, I think At that I think that time, makes yes. that makes a huge difference. I think people I think people continue to underrate the how how important playing with spirit and belief and confidence is. And Collingwood now will be looking at where they are on the ladder with a percentage of one hundred and six. It's you know, comparatively small compared to the teams around them, but they're second on the ladder with two games to go in the season. They absolutely absolutely have to believe they can win it. Yeah, the fact is, regardless of what is happening, people might state it's a lot of close wins. Doesn't matter; it keeps happening. They might get, they might not be able to get away with it all the time. But the point is, they've now got the belief in themselves that genuinely say we can do this. Yeah, and people might people might complain about and say they've got away with it. They have well and truly earned their right to win those types of games. Because if you've done it once or twice, you can perhaps say, yes, maybe it's a little bit of luck there. But the fact is you've been able to pull it off 10 out of the last 11 weeks means yeah. you're actually pretty clutch. Some some of them you know? will be some of them will be luck, but you can't luck yeah, your way through 11 of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the right term, actually. Get out of jail is what they've done a couple of times. They haven't yeah. used their luck, though. A couple of matches, sure, you know, they've, they've definitely got out of jail in the North Melbourne one, you know, for sure. But the other games, you can't say that the way that they've played, despite it being a close match, well, well the Port Adelaide one earned to their luck. The they Port Adelaide one like, was yeah. they did they they were much better than, than six points better than Port Adelaide in, in that one. Um, just as an example, um, they've earned their right to win those games, and I wish that we were able to play this year anyhow with that particular spirit. One we're from, capable of it though. One from Jimbo Baggins at. Uh, what does Buku have to do to keep his spot over the other quote spuds down back? Um, <laughs> just, just to be clear, that that's a Jimbo's words, it's not a, mine. It's a it's a beautiful term. I must admit, I love that word. I know you're a fan, Nick. Uh, well, Buku actually sustained a concussion, according to the Bulldogs medical uh, report, which is um, I, I know that wasn't listed, and I know that wasn't explained in the outs last year, but he was uh, he was listed as a he was he was as concussion according to their injury list now. Um, and he uh, will be out this week. So I'm not sure whether when he's picked up that concussion, but we won't see him this week, unfortunately. Uh, Ryan Gardner as well pulled out due to a calf issue. He remained a test. And from what Bevo said in the press match conference, post-match last week, I wouldn't hold my breath to him returning this week. So that's uh, that's uh, that's why Buku is, uh, is not getting a game ahead of some of these uh, <clears throat> spuds, Jimbo, as you refer to them. Um, from Andrew Fisher here, what if, what, if anything, did the coaching staff attempt to change to affect the clear direction the game was headed all match? We still touched on that. We couldn't quite identify whether there was any major change. Um, and I think that goes back to that plan B that uh, or, or lack of um, that we sort of discussed a little earlier. Uh, any others here? A lot from, uh, a lot from Grant, uh, Grant F, who... Um, 
it's got uh, all sorts of questions relating to to the media, uh, to to the football department, uh, also to the recruiting department, uh, to to beverage in particular as well. Uh, he, he is. Uh, I've got to give him his credit. Uh, I've got to give him his credit rather. He's he's very honest uh, in his. But uh, I think it's the terminology used well. is a. He has gone to town at the moment on this particular stuff. So props to no, – I've had many conversations with Grant and uh, very, very passionate. Support, yeah, so. no, no, very no, passionate. no doubt. And Every, some, everything he says is done with the best intentions, trust there, me. There are some interesting questions though, like the the one about the, the media being scared to ask ask hard questions to, to Bevo. I've got to admit there are some – there are some coaches that have terrified me just through the TV and the one that always comes to mind is Justin Langer. <laughs> the, the death stare I've seen him give some journos over the years. Like I, I, I totally understand where he's coming from in, in that regard. Um, and there might, and there was one on recruitment, but we might get to that a little later on in the, in the season. Just finally here from this, Justin at J Robbo important thematic issue. What songs do the boys need to add to their pregame playlist that will actually help them win a game? Well, I've got one Hillary Duff's wake up. <laughs> I reckon it's a cool My one to start. God, <laughs> I don't know if you've got anything, Nick, off the top of your head. Um, I, oh, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. All I can say is what they're playing is putting me to sleep at this point in time. That's all I can say. I'm not too sure at all, Matt. So, uh, oh, it's it's very interesting. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm good. It's only because with with my work before as like part of the test feed to make sure everything's you know playing as it should. That's one of the songs. Really, Duff's wake up. Uh, I, I reckon. Stuff. I reckon it might be time for the dogs to wake up. On Saturday, it would be Saturday against the against the Giants at Marvel Stadium. Is it Saturday? Yes, it is. It's a what is it? One ten or one forty five? One of those numbers. Okay. Well, I mean, this is it. This is now very much season on the line. Like, it, I mean, we need other results to go away, but those results don't matter if we don't win this. That's pretty much it. So, you know, we're we're going to see, we're going to see exactly how much this means to the the players. Um, look, I, I think game plan is one thing, um, but if they don't bring, but but it can be compensated by effort and and heart. And based on what you said with the with the pressure ratings earlier on in the episode, it demonstrated that there wasn't a lot of fight. And I think what we can do is we can leave the nineties back in the nineties. We can just can all of that, leave leave all the Robo Dog stuff back where it belongs. Nice jumper, by the way. I actually liked it, but um, it was didn't, 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 didn't like seeing us playing it. That was the only thing. Um, so yeah, this time next week we'll know exactly what uh, it'll it'll all be a lot clearer, and we'll know exactly what we'll we need say to this. Do. A loss ends the season in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Yep. These are uh, well. The we can't. We can't. Yeah, we can't. I, I don't think we can win if we lose. Or I don't think. Sorry, I don't think we can make finals if we lose. That's rather. a very. That's a very bold point right there. We can't win if we lose. I like that. Well said, Matt. But, but if we draw, who knows? Uh, if we draw, well, I don't know. No one's. No one's ever factored in the draw. Actually, what uh, well, if if we if we lose, then that's it. That 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 mathematically, that's it. So. I mean, we could win and it could still be mathematically over. But if we lose, then it's definitely done. So we need Carlton to lose both games and that is it. Yep. So it could all be again waiting for Carlton Collingwood to determine our fate on that final mm. Sunday, the home and away season. Mm. Not just 
not just in the AFL, but the VFL too, because if Collingwood beat the Blues there in their final game, well, the Blues will probably miss out in the VFL as well. Oh, I'll tell you what, Carl, the Collingwood supposed to be rubbing their hands together. Imagine being able to be. knock Carlton out of the finals. With, That's gonna... with Richmond and the VFL <laughs> taking their spot, perhaps, too. That would make it even worse. Oh, boy. Lots of permutations. Let's get through this week, firstly. That's going to be it from us for the Salty Bulldog. Uh, of course, the Salty Bulldog podcast is available to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, the Footy Live Up by Sportsmate, it's all there. Our social media channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and thanks to that uh, Jesser of uh, a follower who decided to unfollow. We're so close to a thousand. We were there for a bit. We'll get back, I'm sure. Uh, Instagram and our website as well, www.thesaltyballlog.wixsite.com forward slash home. I've been Matthew Donald. It's been a pleasure having you. Nick, thank you for your time. Much appreciated as always. Good well. stuff. Till, till next week. To all of our listeners, wherever you've been tuning in, we thank you for your time. We look forward to having you join us again next week. But until then, take care.